Hey, Merry Christmas. Man, it's, uh, oh, I stepped on my dress. Um, <laughs> I did. Uh, hey, it is a privilege and a joy to uh, worship God with you this morning, this Christmas Eve morning. Um, and I'll fix my stall. There we go. I'm going to figure this out. Um, hey, we're glad you're here, whether whether you're visiting because you're in town visiting family or you found us online, this is your first visit, or you, you just love to come to Christmas, uh, you love to come to church on Christmas and Easter. However you're here, we're glad you're here, and it is a joy and a privilege to join with you in worship. And so uh, this is also kind of the time of year uh, as we come to the end of the year that we, we kind of evaluate, we look back on 2023, and I don't know what your year was like, I don't know what was all represented, but but I know it was another year of surprises, good and bad. That there were ups and downs in your life. There were successes and failures. There were joys and sorrows. That there was um, loss and gain. That there was life, new life, and, and for some, unexpected death. And and so. We also just want to recognize that um, this time of year is very hard for a lot of people uh, because of that kind of reflection. And so if that's your story, if this has been a hard year and you find yourself here this morning, I just want to say that, that good for you, you. That takes a tremendous amount of courage to even come out uh, on a morning like this. And so we're, we're glad that you're here. So we, uh, as you can tell, we, we've been going through, uh, the Advent story. Uh, we're, we're in the, the story of Jesus as the St. Luke describes it to, to us. You can begin to work your way to Luke chapter two, if you have that. Uh, but, but throughout Advent, we, we've said a, a couple things. One, it is, uh, reminding us of what we celebrate this morning, but it's also pointing us to uh, what we are longing for and looking for to come. We're reminded with Advent that, uh, as the church has said throughout the millennia, that, that we, we live in a world of darkness and brokenness. And we all are, in one sense, victims of the darkness and brokenness of the world that we live in. But we've also said that we're also perpetrators of the darkness and brokenness. That in our own hearts, in our own rebellion before a holy and righteous God, that, that we, uh, we, we read it this morning, we already stand condemned. That there's nothing in and of ourselves that, that could rescue and redeem us. And so on the one hand, Christmas is this massive call out. You couldn't do it on your own. You, you couldn't make your way back to God. You weren't righteous enough. You weren't good enough. You weren't strong enough. You, you couldn't find your way back to God. On the one hand, it's a call up. But on the other hand, it's, it's, a, it's saying all the promises of God find their yes and amen in the coming of Jesus. And so that's why we're here this morning. That's what we're celebrating. So this morning, we get to come to perhaps the most famous passage uh, of the Christmas story. Um, it's a passage that regardless of your background, uh, regardless of whether or not you've ever opened the Bible or read it, you, you are probably familiar with this passage. If you've watched Charlie Brown Christmas, you've heard this passage recited in its totality. Uh, it's an amazing passage, uh, but because of its very familiarity, uh, again, it, it can hide some things from us. But my prayer for, for all of us this morning is that somehow, some way, our, our strength would be renewed. Uh, we would be reminded of what's true about 
the coming of the Messiah, that your joy, your hope, your peace would would be renewed in this. And so as you turn to uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up the story in verse 8. This is the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. So in verse 7, Jesus has just been born and he's been placed in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. And then in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. Now, let's just pause right there. The, the only thing that makes sense in the whole of the Christmas story, the only thing that's going to make sense, if we really pull back and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, is actually just the angels. Nothing else about the Christmas story really makes sense. There's Zechariah in the temple and his old wife that's barren. She's going to have a son. Uh, Even crazier than that, there's a young peasant girl, 13, 14 years old, who's a a virgin pledged to be married. She's going to have a son who is also God. That's kind of crazy. Like you you go forward in this, the shepherds. And the shepherds, we have a high view of shepherds because actually the Bible speaks highly of them and we'll see that. But but in the first century, they were the, the bottom rung kind of people. They were known as the social misfits, the outcasts, the unclean, the sinners. And they most likely had kind of given themselves to that. That they, they, they had this problem of distinguishing between what's mine and thine. They were known as robbers. They were, they were corrupt. And they, they had given themselves over to it. So, so they don't make any sense that they would show up in the story. The only ones that are going to make any sense is the angels. Right? Because in the, then as in now, in a sense, when a firstborn son was born, if you were a family of means or stature, you would hire professional singers to be heralds to go out into the streets and proclaim the glories of the firstborn son. So this is what Caesar would have done back in Rome if he had a son. Uh, but, 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 but here we, we see God does this. He doesn't just tweet about it. doesn't do social. He, he, he does the, the greatest birth announcement in the history of humanity. He sends his angels. Well, well, it says these shepherds are out in the field. Again, they're despised. A third century rabbi writes about the, the profession of shepherds. And they said, he said, there is no more despicable profession than a shepherd. They, they, again, these are, are men that probably... Our uh, social misfits probably have given themselves over to it. So, so it's they're they're watching the the sheep at night. They're in Bethlehem, which is near Jerusalem. The only reason why they have any role at all is because they they are the ones that provide the sheep, the countless hundreds of thousands of sheep that are slaughtered in the temple for all the festivals and for the forgiveness of sin. So they were kind of a necessary evil in the, in the minds of, uh, of the, the Jewish people. And so they're out there watching their sheep. They're working in shifts at night. And, and it's just a normal night as they're looking at their sheep. <laughs> maybe they're counting what they stole or maybe uh, he's smoking uh, or whatever. And all of a sudden, in the middle of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. We don't know who it is, but so far in the story, Gabriel's been appearing to everybody. And that would be an amazing thing. That would, uh, that would frighten all of us. We've said that. It says, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And I love the, the word 
in the Greek for terrified. It's actually two words. Uh, megos, we get the word mega, and phobos, phobia. They had a megaphobia all of a sudden when the angels appeared. Why? Why did they have a megaphobia? Well, yes, it would be unsettling if you're just watching sheet like you have done every night, but maybe if you're counting your money and, and you're putting out your cigarette and all of a sudden an angel appears, that, that would be terrifying, but that's actually not what is the most terrifying thing to these angels in this moment. Did, did you notice what it was? It says an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It wasn't just an angel. It was the presence of the weight of the holiness of the righteousness of God. Now, now this is interesting because this is what you and I were made for. You and I were made to delight in all of that. But you know when fear first entered into our, our cosmos? It was after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and then God came to spend time with them and they were afraid. In, in, in our sinful state, we can't be in the presence of the glory of the Lord, even though that's what we were created for. There's a disconnect. And so whenever someone senses the presence of the holiness of God, that there is a immediate megaphobia. This is what... Peter experienced in the miraculous catch, catch of fish when, when he was in the boat with Jesus and all of a sudden he's like, oh, I, I'm in the presence of God. De depart from me, Jesus, for I'm a sinful man. This is what Peter was feeling. And so the, 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 these shepherds who know that they're sinners and, and know that the Bible says a day is coming, the, the Old Testament describes it as the day of the Lord. Well, when, the, when God comes back, the day of the Lord, he's going to come and judge us in righteousness. They're thinking, we're done. We're finished. The whole earth is finished. It's over. And so their megaphobia is the right response. This is what they're expecting. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Okay, but why? Why? He says, I bring you good news, gospel, euangelion, that will cause great joy for all the people. So you thought you were going to be destroyed. It's actually the opposite. I brought you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And well, what, what is the good news? Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. It says, he is the Messiah. He, this is the moment. This birth announcement says that the, the Messiah has been born. Uh, the, every Jewish person for millennia had been praying for, waiting for, leaning into, Lord, send your Messiah, send your deliverer, the anointed one, send the Christ, so that finally we can be free from this brokenness of this world. But, but then the, the angel says something that we take for granted because we, 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 we take too much theology for granted. It says, the Messiah, the Lord. Now, the reason why this would have been shocking to the angel, to, to the shepherds and anyone in the first century to read this is because in the Old Testament, it always described the Messiah of the Lord or the Lord's Messiah. So, so they were thinking that God is some, someday going to send a powerful prophet like Moses, someone like that, who's going to be anointed by God and do uh, great things for God. They weren't expecting God. <laughs> And so the good news is that the Messiah, who is the Lord, has been born. Now, he said it, this is good news. Well, how do we know? How, how do we know that this is really good news of great joy for all the people? 
says, this will be a sign to you. That there's going to be a sign. You're going to see something and you're going to be able to put, put the dots together and be like, actually, this is very good news. This, God didn't come to destroy us. He came, came to save us. Now, now, if you were here last week, you can think back to what happened last week. Caesar, Augustus, issues a decree. And we, we see in that scene that God is sovereign over the, the affairs of all people and all decisions. And he's orchestrated things so that this holy family in Nazareth would travel 75 miles down to Bethlehem to fulfill Caesar's decree, but more importantly, to fulfill God's decree, right? So here's the question. If God is sovereign over nations, couldn't God have just provided room in the end for Jesus? Couldn't God have arranged a proper place for, for this young teenage girl to give birth to the Son of God? And the answer is yes, he could have. And so should, we should ask the question, well, why didn't he? Why was Jesus born in a, and laid in a manger? Well, this is intentional. In fact, this is what the angels will say. It'll be a sign for you. You'll see when, when that happens, you'll see that God has not come to destroy you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him to save the world. So, so this is going to be the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a stinking, dirty feeding trough of a manger. It'll be a picture of the humility of this Messiah who is the Lord. This blows their, they're like, no way, shut up. Like, no, this is what the angels are feeling. No way, shut up. They, they can't hold back anymore. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God. So, so now the heavens rend, rend open, and there are a multitude, maybe hundreds or thousands of angels to perform the best concert ever. The best concert the world has ever seen to these lowly shepherds. The best concert ever. In spite of what my daughters might think about Taylor Swift, or if you went to U2 in the, the little globe thing, doesn't hold a candle <laughs> to thousands of angels proclaiming the glory of God. And this is, this is what they proclaim. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is their song. Maybe it's just a line from the song. I don't know. Maybe it's the chorus. I don't know. But, but they're proclaiming it. They're like, this is amazing. The, the angels are blown away by the gospel. Did you know that? 1 Peter 1 verse 12, it says, The angels long to look into these things that we get to partake in. They're like, this is crazy. Lord, you are glorious. You are holy, holy, holy. And you're going to go take on flesh? You're going to go take on their limitations? You're going to go enter into their suffering? You're going to be beaten, betrayed, die, and buried for these people? People in this room? And they're like, it doesn't make any sense to us, Lord, but, but you get the glory and they get the peace. God and sinners reconciled. This is their story. This is their song. And who, who gets to hear it first? Angels. 
No, I mean, I'm sorry, shepherds. Shepherds, the, the down and out, the outcasts, the misfits, the miscreants, the, the thieves, the robbers, the sinners. There were only two groups of people in the first century that could not submit testimony in a court of law. Shepherds and women. Untrustworthy. <laughs> that was the thought. But we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. That, 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 was, that was seriously the thing. Like, oh, shepherds, you, you, can't, you can't give witness. We don't trust you. Women, we don't trust you. So it's half of the population and then the shepherds. You're, everyone else, we'll, we'll trust. But, but again, it just shows, it shows the kingdom economics of God. God just really isn't impressed with, who, with our wealth, our power, our status. He isn't impressed with, with, with who we say is worthy. And he, he, in fact, he, he, seems to, um, he, he seems to delight on working with the weakest and the meekest, the ones that know they, they have no, nothing to offer God. God. God seems to get glory by showing his power through our weakness. And so the shepherds make sense. They make sense. They, they hear this, this concert of the angels proclaiming God. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, like this, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord, the Lord, again, they, they sense in the, the, the angels, not just the angels, but the Lord, the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And again, this is where I would just say, don't rush too quickly through your Bible reading. Think about what is happening here. How do they hurry off? By now, all the shepherds are, are awake and they've, they've all heard the concert. They've heard the proclamation. They're, they're all stunned. They're like, let's get into Bethlehem, but they're not going to leave their sheep, right? Like that's their most valuable possession. And so they begin to drive the sheep one, two, three miles into Bethlehem. And as they get closer and closer to, to, to the little streets and villages and the little shanty homes, the, the, the sheep are bleeding. And, and the, the shepherds are kind of rejoicing, maybe hooping and hollering. And the lights of the candlelight start to light up the different homes and and Matthias is like, hey, Martha, what's going on out there? So like, I don't know. I said, there's some shepherds. They're driving their sheep into town at this hour. I think they're drunk again. <laughs> and they're, looking, they're, they're like, hey, is there a baby around here? I'm like, well, this is, why would these single men want a baby? <laughs> this is ridiculous. And they're, they're going through and they're, they're like looking in windows and they can't find it. They're knocking on doors. Is there a baby over here? Like, yeah, but, oh, no, the baby's in your arm. That's not who we're looking for. And they, they keep, they knock on one door, and it, it creaks open. There's, there's farm animals, and then there's a, a feeding trough, and there he is. There's Jesus, wrapped in dirty, threadbare swaddling cloths, laying in a manger. Imagine his mom, exhausted from giving birth, might, might even be sleeping at this point. And they're like, here it is. Now we know. We know what the angel said. This is the sign. God has come. This is God. He's come low. He's come not to condemn us, but to save us. And they take up Jesus in their arms. And it's appropriate that it's shepherds, right? The same one that, that will, in about 30 years, proclaim, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. 
They hold him. This same one that, uh, that John the Baptist will, will say of, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's appropriate that shepherds handle him because they know the ultimate fate of all the lambs. And so they hold him and they rejoice in God. Look what they say. They become the first evangelists. When they had seen him, oh, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby was, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They become the first evangelists. The, the ones that are not trustworthy in a court of law, God entrusts with the gospel. God entrusts them to tell the people. And again, in 33 years from now, after his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus appears to the ones that cannot submit testimony in the court of law, women, to go back first and proclaim the gospel. See, God doesn't care about what we think about people. He loves to use the least of these to proclaim his good news. And so they're proclaiming the gospel. They're saying, here's what we were told. This is not just the Messiah. This is the Lord. We don't know how that works, but it is the Lord. And, and then Luke has something very important for us, not just for this passage, and not even just for the rest of his gospel, but for the whole Bible. He wants to show us in this passage that you should be very careful how you hear. Be very careful how you hear. And he's going to give us a lesson on hearing the gospel. It says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds heard. So, so there's one response. The, the, the crowd is like, oh, really? You saw angels? You saw this? They're amazed. And that's right. And that's appropriate. It's just not enough. But it, it, that's not saving faith. And so Luke puts on display a model of faith once again in Mary. It says, but Mary, but Mary, so she's not just amazed. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, these words are important. Treasured, sinterain. It means to preserve, treasure, protect, and defend. So, so she heard what the angel or the shepherds had said, and she, she begins to preserve it, to treasure, protect, and defend it. And in the, in the Greek tense, it's in what's called the imperfect tense. It means it's ongoing. It means she ruminates over it. She wrestles with it over time. This is how she hears the message of the shepherds. She's holding it, treasuring it, keeping it. And then it says she pondered it. This means uh, the word is symbolin. It is to scrutinize difficult events for right understanding. So she's like, this is crazy. Let, let me, so, so if this is true, then this is true. Then that, this is how I should feel. Then this is what this means for me. She, she's taking some time to wrestle with the proclamation of the word of God. Be very careful how you hear. In, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus will tell a parable about different kinds of soil. Those that hear, hear the gospel and treasure it and those that don't. Maybe, maybe you're amazed by Jesus this morning and you should be, but, but Mary tells us to treasure, to ponder. Now, now, it's important because most people don't get angels, right? 
Like maybe you've seen an angel. I don't know. I haven't. I don't think I've seen an angel. But but most people don't get what the shepherds got, right? The shepherds are always going to remember that night. Always going to remember what they said. They're going to tell that story every day of their life, probably. But everyone else, they got shepherds. That's how they heard the word of God. What do we get? We get a book. And you get very ordinary people telling you what's in this book. You get someone like myself who, before coming to Christ, barely graduated high school. Be very careful how you listen, though. Be careful how you hear the gospel. It will determine the course and direction of your life. And so let us be like Mary. Let's treasure up the word of God. Let's ponder it. Let's say, if this is true, then this is true. Then this is how I should feel. This is how I should act. This is what I need to change in my life. It takes some time. So maybe this, this evening, Christmas Eve, or tomorrow morning, you with your family or on your own in your quiet time, just take some time to treasure and to ponder the Word of God, the story of Christmas. And then let's be like the shepherds as well. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned. Where did they return to? Their jobs. Their status in society, their lowly position. They returned just like we're going to return to our normal everyday lives, having heard the amazing testimony of what God has done for us. And nevertheless, they returned changed. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. It's not what they were doing before the angel showed up. It's what they're doing now. Glorifying and praising their, their, their life is now a, a, a life of worship, even in their mundane task of looking at the backside of sheep. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Brothers and sisters, this Christmas, let us treasure the gospel and let us go into our world like the shepherds and proclaim the glories of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us, and then we'll come to this table. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for Christmas. Father, I, I pray that we would, we would have some moments today uh, where we just ponder and treasure what we heard this morning. And Lord, I do pray that, that as we get to gather with friends and family, Lord, that those would be sweet conversations as well. And, and like the shepherds, we might be able to just rejoice in and proclaim what we have heard and what we have seen as a people. Lord Jesus, thank you for the angels that rightly tell us about your birth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom your favor rests. Thank you for your favor. Let it rest on your people today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.